So the, the era of large physical gatherings such as, you know, and this is just me throwing some names out there, a web summit, slush, etc, etc. The likes of these big physical gatherings are going to really struggle in the years ahead. And obviously COVID was the, um, you know, COVID was the deciding factor that made it impossible to organise physical events. But climate change is going to be the lasting factor which prevents these large-scale events. Hi, and welcome to Tech Talk. My name is Stefan, and on this podcast, I have conversations with founders, innovators, and entrepreneurs in technology, simply to learn and discover their journey of building a business in tech. It's a new season, and we have a great lineup of new guests, and a big announcement. We are extremely excited to let you know that we have partnered with the Romania Insider team and platform. The Romania Insider media platform will be a strategic partner in helping us reach a greater audience and distribute our conversations beyond Romanian borders. Thank you, Romania Insider team, for the trust, and we are happy to have such a strong partner on the podcast. With this new partnership, we hope to build a stronger community of fans of the podcast and supporters of the Romanian startup ecosystem and the economy at large. That is why I invite you to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and stay connected and get notified immediately when we publish a new episode. And now, our first guest of the second season of the podcast, Michael Chaffee, the CEO of Wolf Summit. Mike spent a decade working up to 250 meters under the ocean as a saturation diver in the oil and gas industry before entering the European VC industry in 2017. And you will hear more about that in our conversation. Initially assisting UK-based startups in closing their funding rounds, he went on to acquire Central and Eastern European's flagship innovation conference, Wolf Summit, in 2019. Together with a rapidly expanding team, he's leveraging the summit to build valuable bridges between the CE innovation ecosystem and global partners and investors. Outside of the professional context, Mike is an avid crossfitter, enjoys hiking in the summer and skiing in the winter throughout Central and Eastern Europe with his young children. We're going to talk about that as well. I hope you enjoy the conversation and welcome to the new season. Enjoy! Hello, Mike, and welcome to the Tech Talk podcast. Hi, hi, Stefan. Great to be here with you today. Thanks for inviting me onto the podcast. Happy to have you, uh, Mike. Um, I'm so happy that you know I have the opportunity to kick off the new season of the Tech Talk podcast with such an you know active ecosystem builder within like the you know a broader uh, European region, the CE. Uh, so I'm looking forward to the conversation today and. Um, everything that kind of I want to pick your brain uh, around. So uh, happy to have you again. <laughs> cool. Thanks. So obviously, we, for the audience that aren't aware, me and Stefan have a long-standing relationship. So it's, you know, it's going to make it that much easier and more dynamic that, you know, we're friends uh, offline. So we can, you know, we can have a candid chat today about um, the role Wolf Summit plays in the ecosystem and any other questions that you, you might have. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. So um, I want to start the conversation with, you know, immediate value, you know, to to whoever uh, joined and, you know, started to listen to this uh, episode. Mike, um, 
what would be your top three lessons since you took over, acquired the Wolf Summit event? Okay, so to pick, I can tell you in the last two years, I've probably had about 90% of, you know, poignant life lessons in the space of two years. So to, to pick the top three uh, will be difficult, but I will go firstly with be selfish. So, you know, it's absolutely impossible to take care of your team, look after the business, um, et cetera, et cetera. If you're losing sleep at night, you know, if your diet's not in a, you know, in a good state, if your, you know, physical well-being and exercise regime has fallen out of balance. So be selfish, firstly. Um, secondly, you know, amongst the team and the individuals that you work with, both, you know, direct um, colleagues as well as, you know, associated agencies and partners, there's a hell of a lot of skills in the team. So always delegate. Um, luckily, I've, I've now been banned from, from performing certain tasks within the team. So after a, <laughs> a number of emails went out with the first name being a question mark instead of, you know, the first name, I, I was quickly removed from the marketing team. Um, and then there's a few other roles that I was banished from, but we don't need to go into those. So delegation, number two. Mm -hmm. uh, number three, um, there's no such thing in life as a stupid question. Um, you know, swallow your pride. If you don't know the answer to something and it's a, you know, a very important topic, go to any mentors or partners, individuals that you respect and admire, either directly involved in the company. Some of you, that's why you have a non-executive board of directors, but equally any organizations or partners, clients even that you work with. Um, if you have somebody that's really um, in, inspirational to you, you know, you'd be surprised you know, just how much insight they, they can give you when you approach them with topics that are keeping you awake at night. That's awesome. I think those are really good, you know, lessons to have and to surface for, first of all, you know, you know, such a intense work that you have. I mean, event planning and event kind of overall management is not an easy thing. I've, I've, I've done it myself as well. So, and, but I haven't, haven't done it at the scale of Wolf Summit, definitely. So, um, yeah, that's awesome. But before we jump into more Wolf Summit, um, questions, I just want to kind of maybe have like a one or two, you know, questions or maybe conversations around something more personal, or maybe, I don't know if it's personal or not, but, you know, I numbered, um, I think around 15 different diving experiences on your LinkedIn. Um, and it kind of looks like, you know, it, it was from another lifetime. So could you share more about that? Like, what was that? And, you know, it, it, I'm super curious about that. Sure. Happy to, Stefan. It's obviously, you know, it was such a big part of my life that I'm, I'm really happy to talk about it. And, you know, to be fair, it's quite a big jump from, you know, being involved in the oil and gas industry as a diver to then moving into, you know, events and venture capital yeah. uh, innovation conferences. So, my um you know my career in the oil and gas industry began from the beginning i went away traveling so i had a backpack i took one flight when i was i think 22 early 20s so mm. i took a flight from london to oslo in norway with a big backpack full of stuff full of clothing and equipment to last me you know for however many months and that was the only flight i actually took between oslo and Singapore. So for the next nine months, 
I um, backpacked across the globe. I went from Norway into Sweden, uh, then on to Estonia by ferry, train across Russia into Mongolia. Uh, wow. Spent a few weeks in the desert, spent a lot of time in Siberia, and then down through China uh, into Southeast Asia, Vietnam, Laos, Thailand, Malaysia. Finally ended up in Singapore nine months after I took that initial flight from from London. So during my time in Southeast Asia, uh, I spent a lot of time with, you know, individuals who were in the oil and gas industry. And uh, most of them were divers or diving supervisors. Um, and it was a boom time in the oil business. And I was young and dumb. And, you know, I looked at the prospect of, you know, having a career where I would go away for six to eight weeks, or sometimes longer, you know, banish myself to the ocean, um, perform a diving contract and then have a, a wad of cash and, uh, you know, possibly, you know, end up in different parts of the world as a young man being able to enjoy life. So, you know, I, I really felt an, an affinity with it. So I went back from my traveling trip, trained as a diver in Scotland, um, and then flew straight back out to Singapore. Um, didn't manage to find a job in Singapore. So then went to Dubai and, uh, four months after, you know, finishing my diving course, I was uh, working in Dubai, offshore Dubai, uh, for the United Arab Emirates National Oil Company. Um, so that's how my career began. And from there, I ended up, you know, through more training programs, I eventually became qualified as a saturation diver. Um, and saturation diver, typically for anybody, most of you won't be familiar with this, but <laughs> it allows us to go inside a chamber for up to 28 days at a time. So the chamber's pressurized. Um, so you could be working up to 250 meters below the ocean. So the chamber gets pressurized to the equivalent de depth and the chamber is on, on the vessel. And then every time that you go to the seabed, you enter what's called a diving bell, which is also a pressurized container. Yourself plus two other guys go down to the seabed, jump out, perform whatever work needs to be done on the seabed, inspection, construction, you know, the tasks are, are endless. And then typically you, you'll spend eight hours working and then you come back and spend the rest of, you know, between your next trip to the seabed, you spend that time in the chamber and you're there for the whole time breathing a mix of helium and oxygen you know i just can't imagine the pressure and i mean the, yeah the pressure and the kind of i don't know if it's bad or not in terms of you know going into the uh to the to the to such low levels in the sea for your body is that something that you know affects you in some way or not did you had like anything like i don't know bad happen to you or to your health because of that yeah, so I, I was lucky um, in the fact that I, you know, I was young when I was doing the, the majority of it, so my body was able to recover much quicker. But mm -hmm. certainly for a for a sustained amount of time, say ten years plus, it can be detrimental to your health. But again, it's um, a lot of the time it's what you do outside of the chamber. So most most of my colleagues that I worked with were all you know real wild wires. So. Um, when you're off work and partying hard and, you know, having a good time, that actually does more damage than, than the diving. But yeah. certainly, yeah, there, there's, there are a number of complications you can have health-wise, but um, typically, you know, if you have a good diet and vitamin schedule, it can mm -hmm. uh, work a lot towards, you know, reducing the effects of, of any negative implications. 
So where's the connection? I, I'm definitely not missing anything, but where's the connection? How did you come to, um, you know, have this opportunity to um, acquire Wolf Summit? What, how was, what's the link between those two? Yeah, so in 2017, um, when, my, uh, when my youngest son was due, I, I made the decision to, to get out of the oil and gas game. So, you know, I, I was fed up with going away from family all the time and you know the you know in the knowledge that my son would soon be you know with us i decided to make the switch and uh, i had a good friend who who lived in poland um for, he's an english guy and he mentioned to me look mike there's a there's a role at a uk based angel syndicate if you'd like to join us so you know i first time venture capital had no prior experience um i joined the investor relations team uh instantly you know had roaring success in the role and really enjoyed it you know typically liaising with high net worth individuals um micro vcs angel investors to mm -hmm. help uk-based um founders uh close their pre-seed and seed stage rounds of typically a quarter of a million pounds up to 2.53 pounds um so yeah i jumped jumped into that really enjoyed it um and then during the course of my time there i was very much active in the uh you know innovation ecosystem of central eastern europe i was going to various you know small scale meetups and yeah. you know uh, conferences and what struck me was the sheer technical proficiency of the founders from poland romania and the region and i i compared you know the, the caliber of these startups to to the you know to some of the businesses i was securing funding for And, you know, I, I thought to myself, okay, if, if I can close a round for this startup, you know, at X amount, you know, XYZ valuation, you know, with a one million pound investment, you know, just, just imagine what I can do with this, you know, very technically proficient startup from Poland with a, you know, much smaller valuation and a much smaller funding round size. Um, so that's how, you know, I first got into the idea of uh, bringing you know particularly uk and west europe western european investors to the region so mm -hmm. i reached out to the original founders of wolf summit piot marik and basher piasek so piot and basher are husband and wife and marik is piot's brother um what initially started out as a conversation around striking a partnership and forming a loose angel syndicate actually transpired into um myself and my business partner martin ring buying the conference from from them so piot brought you know brought out his best salesman hat and instead of a you know instead of a win-win uh partnership we ended up buying the conference at just about the worst time you could ever hope to buy a, a business conference <laughs> had we known covid was on the way from from my perspective i think it was actually a good thing um i think it had an amazing success even if it was you know acquired um right before the pandemic um I think exactly that, stefan yeah exactly and it was you know in hindsight now back in april of 2020 april and may you know the two darkest months in my probably in my life to be honest and um it was i was thinking you know goodness okay we've got this conference now COVID's here what what on earth are we going to do and you know a real olive branch so we man we managed to pivot our event from march 2020 um there was around two and a half thousand physical delegates sp supposed to be coming to warsaw 
um, we had to make the move to a virtual event at very short notice. So eight days away from our planned start date of the conference, we had a, a demo call with Johnny Bofahat, who's, you know, I'm sure most of you know of Johnny and Hopin. So he's the founder and CEO of Hopin. Um, we had a demo call with him and uh, one of his senior team members, Franz. Uh, 9 p.m. on a Saturday night, I had the whole team with me, the marketing, logistics, um, you know, uh, project management teams on, on the call with us. We stepped away from the call and it was a unanimous hop-in. We have to go with hop-in. And we yeah. had, I believe, five five or six other demo calls during that week with, with some of Hopping's competitors um, and Hopping was the firm favourite. So that was March. We managed to pivot the event uh, had overwhelmingly positive uh, feedback from partners and attendees alike. Uh, and a few days after the event, Johnny, this was these were in the days when me and Johnny were in regular WhatsApp contact, and now obviously he, he has a PA and a, you know executive assistant that we that we have to communicate through. So Johnny reached out to me on WhatsApp and he said, "Look, Mike, so impressed with how you managed to pull off the event." at such short, such short notice and with such high um, technical production quality, would you like to work with some of the clients that Hopin is now, you know, some of the clients that are coming to Hopin? So, you know, we were in a real tough position, so it was obviously a yes. Yeah. Uh, and then that relationship with Hopin, you know, in all honesty, the only reason that we're sat here talking to each other now, Stefan, um, around the event is because of the relationship with Hopin. So, off the back of the hopping relationship, we formed Wolf's Digital, which is now uh, an event agency for hopping. So we work with um, a lot of their prominent clients. So we've worked with the United Nations, uh, the United Nations Industrial Development Organization, Vienna Business Agency, uh, European Innovation Council. Um, the list goes on, and we're you know we're very happy to where we are in terms of uh, Wolf Digital and the traction that we we've now secured over the past 18 months. That's 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 just amazing. I mean, um, you know, from where you took Wolf Summit of you know where we, where it was and what kind of challenges you faced with the pandemic and uh, all the opportunities that were, you know, uh, in hindsight. Um, I would like to also ask you because I've read um, an article about um, you saying the fact that the traditional business model for events is dead. And I th somehow feel that this is connected to hopping and, you know, going into, um, uh, you know, some, some, some model of innovation for, for events. But could you give me some more details about that? What do you mean by traditional business model for events is dead? Yeah, so the, the era of large physical gatherings such as, you know, and this is just me throwing some names out there, a web summit, slush, et cetera, et cetera. The likes of these big physical gatherings are going to really struggle in the years ahead. And obviously, COVID was the, um, you know, COVID was the deciding factor that made it impossible to organize physical events. But climate change is going to be the lasting factor which prevents these large scale events. And again, this is in my humble opinion. Uh, the reason, you know, in my in my opinion, the reason for this is. Back in September, the IPCC, so that's the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, released a uh, released a report in September of this year. So going forward now, large corporations, public institutions, etc., are going to have to commit to net zero targets. So 
imagine the cumulative you know co2 emissions that such a massive event like web summit um creates yeah so effectively the way that i see it playing out any large corporate is going to have you know not blacklisted but they're almost going to be criticized for for heavily sponsoring any any large scale event that's going to cause such a you know such a release of co2 mm-hmm. so due to this fact i firmly believe that well i'm certain that the future of events is hybrid and what i mean by this is that smaller scale physical gatherings um so what that means is you know c level execs plus will attend in person um for a, for a small key physical event perhaps a, a you know a networking evening a, a networking event and that will be in tandem with a large scale virtual event so that's where the junior um junior members of the corporation or the team will be able to patch in virtually um to take part in the networking build value relationship valuable relationships but there won't be a massive carbon footprint from that event i super like what you're saying and i i i like both ways actually i mean i like the new kind of direction uh, that is going and what i also think or i mean you know since you already said about networking is you know because or yeah because of networking you kind of maybe landed on the opportunity of wolf summit uh, but also in in you know looking at it it could also harm the overall you know climate uh, challenges that we have at this point in time So yeah and we just just to be to be clear Stefan we we really saw this playing out over the past remember it's not only our event that we've organized we've all organized now well over 50 events for different partners and we've seen that that a lot with the hybrid events people still want to come physically but they also want to bring their teams in virtually so as part of all of our hybrid tickets um on on the wolf summit domain you can find a, a physical pass that comes with four virtual passes so you know when you think about our demographic of attendees venture capital firms so managing partners and uh you know senior associates they will come physically and then the junior analysts will patch in virtually to to meet with startups and build those relationships i like very much the model and i think you know by keeping those two you can um actually come to you know a balance between you know in the events industry um i think that's going to be something that uh is we're, we're going to get to um but you know wolf summit is positioned in 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 the sea region right right now and it's definitely has definitely came to um a true pan european you know event um and this kind of leads me to my next question is you know how do you see today the CE startup ecosystem and like where do you see it evolve uh, you know or maybe to maybe frame the question maybe differently what do you think is the catalyst required to shape or reshape the CE startup ecosystem yeah so i think firstly it's good to appreciate just why central and eastern europe is uh, is so proficient uh, and so technically strong in innovation and you know i think it's hard to disagree that a lot of a, a lot of the uh, proficiency is a leftover from you know years 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 gone by um there's a traditionally very strong um stem sector in the universities in the region and that is now you know fueling the growth of the region from my perspective um 
Yeah, so um, one thing that I think is a huge barrier at the moment to develop in the region is around the topic of collaboration. Uh, for such a small geographic location, there are so many conflicting and differing priorities and uh, view, you know, perspectives. Um, so I think if we can, if we can find a framework again, you know, something that the European Union um, set out to do, I believe a lot of these uh, guidelines and uh, projects should be uh, followed wholeheartedly in the region, and we can create a very structured and uh, united approach, as opposed to the somewhat uh, conflicting interests that we currently see in, in such a small space of of, of land. This kind of, you know, points me to, since you already mentioned the fact that, you know, some of the region's growth will be powered by the startups. Um, and, you know, there's going to be indefinitely some, you know, some efforts to push from, to, to, to push for that from European Union, but not only. Um, I want to kind of connect to, you know, what is Wolf Summit doing about it? in the region and you know the question is actually you know what are some you know great achievements that startups and maybe not only startups what are some great achievements that startups you know have had after the wolf summit event yeah sure so we've i mean if i talk pure only you know wolf summit's been going since 2015 so i i'll, I'll talk purely about a couple of recent success stories that we've had from from this year um, so we uh, we work closely with an AI incubator from from Czech Republic from Czechia. So AI startup incubator. Uh, for the last few events, they've given a guaranteed fifty thousand euro in funding for the top AI startup, um, and they they have delivered investments both times, and it, both times it has been over fifty thousand euros. So uh, I believe the first investment was a quarter of a million euros. And just recently, they made an investment into Subly, uh, which is a startup that you know attended the event. And Subly actually raised an eight hundred thousand euro round um, that startup incubator was participating in. Uh, and then a second success story that I can think off the top of my head um, was Decoeco, so Polish-based uh, company, uh, Danube Angels, which is a long-term um, you know guest of ours. Uh, they had a syndicated investment of 208,000 euros uh, and that closed a few months ago. So it's, I mean, from my perspective as the CEO, it's, and working, having worked with so many founders, we all know how frustrating the fundraising process can be. Um, so it's, uh, you know, it's hugely encouraging to see uh, our regular investor community deliver on the promise and, and invest into our, you know, alumni startups. Um, going forward, what we're planning to do is to implement a, uh, you know, an automated framework where we can literally track, you know, for example, startup attends our next edition. We will give monthly, you know, updates on where that startup is now, so we can track how much funding they've received, how much their um, social media followings have grown, you know, key KPIs that can act as a give us a, a USP as an event going that much further to really deliver value to the invest investment community. This is this is something that is going to be for founders, for startups or for investors? Primarily for investors. So a, a way of, you know, really tracking the performance and growth of, of startups so that mm -hmm. let's imagine that a Series A investor meets a promising startup, 
you know, at Wolf Summit. They're not quite ready for a Series A, but, you know, 18 months after that first introduction, we give the investor a platform where they can track the development of the startup and then, you know, simply approach them and say, Stefan, it's been great to, to sit by and watch your progress. Are you, you know, we'd like to offer you uh, heads of terms for, you know, your next funding round. That's awesome. I mean, added value to investors um, through such platform would be would be definitely something awesome to have. But coming back to the achievements, I think giving some help and support to founders and startups through Wolf Summit in in specifically that part, you know, of, of fundraising. I think that's such an amazing thing, and uh, um, that's definitely you know something that every founder is looking for um, in 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 his you know uh, lifetime at the beginning of a startup. Yeah, and the, I mean the the regional jurisdictions have their part to play in this process as well. You know, so for example, it could you know the ecosystem could be much more vibrant if it was easier for angel investors and you know first time investors to dabble okay i hate the word dabble but so let's say dip their toes in the um you know in alternative investments um so obviously I, you're probably f- fully aware the uk um seis and eis schemes are very uh, effective and they're a big reason why why the uk leads europe as as the top funding destination um but i think you know i hate getting into the whole competitive comp- competition um sector I think rather than look at it as a, a competition between OK Hungary and the UK, you know, competing, why not learn, you know, share insights and share best practices and adopt a similar framework whereby, you know, individual investors can receive a tax subsidy um, on their annual tax return for any money that they made into innovation, any investments that they made. Mike, you, you've hit the nail on the head. I mean, I really, and this is not the first conversation conversation I'm having around the model adopted or built in the UK um, and the fact of why are not the rest of the European countries getting inspired or even, you know, copying whatever, copying and adjusting it to their regulations, but getting inspired by what the UK has been, has has built around, you know, the investment mechanism why it's such an easy thing i mean you know you have it it's a success bring it home so and that's also you know some of the conversations that i'm having also back in romania with different ecosystem players like why isn't the government looking at that and it's really i mean you just have to read it understand it and then um, adjust it to your home country so i do not really understand why maybe i need to have a conversation around the politics you know blockers and and stuff like that so and agendas definitely so how do you keep your motivation to be you know constant and continue you know doing such an amazing job you know with the event and you know not only with your personal life as well you know i have really three priorities um in day to day life and sleep is top of the list because you know without seven to eight hours minimum um, I'm really, you know, I see the impact the next day and I'm I'm not as sharp and as effective as I need to be. Uh, so besides, besides sleep um, at the top, CrossFit is a very close second. So, you know, five or six times per week, generally early in the morning around 7 a.m., I, um, I take part in CrossFit and that's, a, you know, that's a huge source of uh, strength for me um, and it gives me energy for the day ahead and keeps me in a very disciplined um, routine. 
time in nature in the mountains in particular luckily where we are in Rotswav um, I'm a couple of hours from you know decent mountain ranges to go hiking uh, the Czech border is just a stone's throw away which I'll talk about more in a second uh, and then I have two young children so nine-year-old daughter and a three-year-old son so you know most of the time they join me in the mountains and uh, I really value the time I spend with them and it's it's such a huge it's so great spending time with you with your kids because you know they really put back into perspective just what is important in life um you know so that even if even if your professional life is you know falling around you know collapsing around you like it was in you know the first half of 2020 um you know two your kids can act as an anchor point uh, at that time and then a, a tip for any founders actually is you know i, I noticed this not just in the time since we, we've owned Wolf Summit, but back in the days when I was in the offshore industry, when you when you take your foot off the gas, so when you take a step back and relax, you know, refresh and, and regenerate, you know, you'll notice that the magic starts to happen. So, you know, for example, you you will completely cut off from any communications for like three or four days over the weekend, take a long weekend, spend some time in the mountains. Then you'll come back to the office on Monday and there'll be deal deal after deal landed in your inbox. Um, so that's, you know, is it a coincidence? I don't know, but I, I see a clear correlation. Would you, would you, with everything that you said, would you agree um, with, you know, what kind of the American culture is pushing to hustle, hustle and grind uh, nonstop? Um, or is it maybe just a marketing gimmick I, I, is it humanly even possibly to, you know, nonstop grinding? No, it's absolutely unsustainable. Um, and, it's, you know, it's unfortunately, it seems to be, you know, it's like the cool kids club that, you know, work over the weekends, 24 hours a day available, you know, empty inbox, all of that jazz. I don't agree with it. And I know it's, you know, mentally it's unsustainable and it's just not, if you want ha want to have any type of, you know, valuable relationship with a partner or with family you just simply cannot live your life like that um and i think we're, we're going to witness a big shift away from that in the coming in the coming years well looking forward to that to to that shift definitely um i agree with you i do not believe in it um because it is unsustainable unsustainable like you said you just cannot go on uh you know working 24 hours Um, and since you already, you know, said um, a keyword that is um, kind of matching to my next question, you know, mentally um, and um, a topic that, you know, we are both very much passionate about and even advocate here and there. <laughs> um, and the topic is psychedelics. Um, how do you, you know, see psychedelics playing a change catalyst role in the ecosystem? Um, and specifically now, maybe just uh, in the you know founder ecosystem. I know it has a very much, uh, it has a very broad application. Um, but let's say in the you know in the founder ecosystem, and feel free to expand um, if you wish. Sure, and obviously we we talk about this much more extensively off offline, don't we, Stefan? So yeah. my first uh, my first experience with psychedelics happened in. Thailand back in I was mid-20s I, I think I just finished a job in the South China Sea I, I went to the something that's called the full moon party so any backpackers in Asia would have been to it 
Uh, it, it happens once per month on uh, on the island of Kopenyang, uh, and it you know basically everybody it's it's a rave on a beach. So um, on the beach, if you go to one of the ends, there is a there's a rock you know stairway up into the mountains, and you know a few a few meters up there's a there's a small bar and it's called the Mushroom Mountain. So you can go there and you buy a mushroom shake for you know a small amount of money. Um, first time I'd ever experienced CSI bling, magic mushrooms. Um, so then obviously that was in a recreational settings, had an amazing evening, et cetera, et cetera, but didn't really appreciate the, the full therapeutic benefits of it. Um, and then back in May of last year, um, obviously in the height of COVID and, you know, everything was collapsing, collapsing around my ears. Uh, it was time, you know, I obviously I, I was reading a lot about all of the exciting developments in the field of um, you know psychedelic therapy and and psychedelic therapeutics. Uh, so as you probably know, the Czech Republic, Czechia has very progressive drug laws. So um, you know for possession there is no you know you're legally allowed to you know consume uh, psychedelics. Obviously you're not selling them, etc. So what I started doing um, was going on hiking expeditions in the in the Czech mountain ranges, uh, ingesting either LSD or psilocybin. Um, that was in May of last year. And then I kept the practice up going every month, at least once per month uh, for the past 18 months. And, uh, you know, the relief and the, the tangible benefits that I've felt, you know, personally, are just undescribable um obviously i'm i'm not a qualified professional so i can't give any any professional advice but for me personally i can say that it's been a huge um a huge help and uh, allowed me to soldier on through this uh this difficult time in the um event organization space so i'm, I'm yeah yeah um i always get super excited whenever i can you know ha and have the opportunity to talk about the subject um psychedelics and um like you say i mean it has such a broad um application and specifically i'm all i'm super drawn uh, to the therapeutic perspective to psychedelics because even uh for you know when i had the first experience and it was in you know in netherlands uh, which is very known to there as well progressive laws in terms of uh these kind of things um i had i can say easily and wholeheartedly, uh, you know, the, the benefit to have like a three hour, four hour weeping session that released so many things from kind of my being and my structure uh, that I will always be grateful to my friends that I have been with and have guided me. Um, and the fact that they know, you know, they knew how to guide me for the first experience, which I believe is very important to to have uh, a very, you know, mindful experience around those things because it can it can kind of break you or uh, or make you stronger. And what I want to say by that, if you have like a bad experience with it, you may not come back to them ever again. Um, and of course, uh, you know, these kind of things, these kind of therapeutic and healing methodologies are not for everybody. Um, but um, you know what they say around psychedelics that sometimes uh, only one session can be up to 10 years of talk therapy. So, uh, and I super agree with that. Yeah, exactly. And it, it, from my perspective, what, what, it, you know, what it does, what it allows you to do, and, and it would allow 
fellow founders, but not only founders. I mean, the wider society at large. Um, the, the you know the the ramifications of this these exciting developments in in the mental health space are going to be um, absolutely huge in the coming years. So yeah. typically, and you know, I read an article actually um, that was on a, a good friend of mine, uh, Eva. Um, Eva Rakosovic, so she's part of Cavedon Capital. So they've got a great blog on their uh, on their website, which I recommend reading. And founders are twice, you know, two times more likely to suffer from mental health related issues than the general public. So you know, from my own experiences, you know, I know that um, we, as founders, we often concentrate too much on things that you know. Uh, absolutely outside of our control you know will I close my next funding round am I going to hit this KPI you know is my team aligned you know stuff that you have have absolutely zero control over um, and what for me what psychedelics allowed me to do was to really you know almost step outside of that you know that um, tunnel vision and see it from a bird's eye perspective and then just be able to almost you know, stick your hand in and take out the parts of your, you know, your fear and anxiety that are just completely mm-hmm. uh, invalid. Um, so, you know, from my perspective, that that's the biggest benefit. Coming back to our conversation, um, I would like to, you know, close our conversation around here and on this topic, because I think it's a really nice topic to end the conversation and to leave our guests uh, thinking about both sides of, um, you know, leading a startup, what it means to, you know, um, go to an event, uh, do the networking, do the, you know, go into the trenches and, you know, find solutions for growing your startup, you know, either selling, either fundraising, but in the same time, take the time to actually, you know, you know, love yourself more. And uh, in the same time, take care of your mental, emotional and spiritual well-being, because it's very important to have that balance And, you know, life is not only about work, work, work. Definitely it's about challenge, but uh, I think it's both. It's in the same time about both of them. There's a, there's a fantastic LinkedIn page that I follow. Let me just confirm the name. It's I believe it's called European Leadership. So I really, um, you know, as I'm, as I am pretty much a LinkedIn addict and I, I suppose <laughs> a lot of founders are, <laughs> it's always welcome when I see... Uh, the European leadership memes pop up and they're very inspiring, um, you know, thought provoking memes. And there's, there's one that's recently been doing the, doing the rounds and that's uh, Steve jobs where he talks about, you know, great entrepreneurs, the vision pulls them, you know, and that, you know, that gives them the fuel to keep their, their vision alive and find that, find that energy when, when things are difficult. Mike on this topic, what will be the one thing that you would recommend to you know future founders active founders um as an advice i think the one thing um is to have you know as much as practically possible have you know transparency with all of the stakeholders in your business and team members um because you know really any any burden when you take it all on your shoulders alone it it gets a lot it's a lot heavier than spreading that weight amongst your whole team so You know, you really, it's a, it's, it takes a mature step and, you know, I know it's a, it's not an easy thing to do, but you've really, you know, you've got to learn to share the burden with everybody. Um, and it's the way forward in my opinion. That's a great advice.
Mike, uh, this conversation was amazing. Thank you very much for joining. And I'm definitely looking forward to our second conversation, <laughs> uh, diving a bit more into the diving subject, uh, definitely. So yes, thank you very much uh, once again. Thank you for listening and joining the new season. Remember to subscribe and get notifications on all our future episodes. 